0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Good morning, good evening, good night, entrepreneurship and leadership channel listeners on the New Books Network. I'm here with my business partner and friend, Kimon Fontekidis, as a co-host and our guest, Gonzalo Consiglieri, if I pronounce your name correctly, who is the founder of co-founder of Visor.ai, and although I could read out the introduction he's prepared for us, I think it'd be much better if you introduced yourself in 30 or so seconds in the way you would if you met someone at a party or a business networking meeting.
2: Okay, well, Richard, Kimon, thank you very much for for having me. Uh, my name is Gonzalo Conciliaria. I'm one of the founders at Vazer AI. I'm 35. I'm father of one and almost father of two. So my second uh, daughter, in this case, is almost about to to, to born in one month from now oh uh, congratulations I, okay thank you <laughs> and uh uh, uh Visoria, it's my second startup uh i founded AI after we failed in the prior startup uh that i fu- that i found with the same co-founders that we have at AI right now so we are three founders the three of us we are friends in childhood it's our second startup together and uh it's uh, it, has, it has been a hell of a ride so far
1: okay and I, th- I think for the well congratulations on the family situation i i guess it, I have Kim and i are both uh both fathers slightly slightly okay. further further down the uh yeah, line. not too
0: bad too i'm not too far you're you you've got the I'm, I'm a little closer but anyway
1: yeah, not yeah, important yeah. No, no 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 there's no competition here on the podcast <laughs> keep, keep, keep has more children than i do i've only got three
0: but um, no i also have younger one i was actually wasn't trying to say that i was trying to say I have younger ones but anyway I've, i'm i'm yeah I've, i'm closer to closer to i understand the the pain you're about to feel
2: yeah i don't understand yet so i'm trying to figure it out
1: (laughs) no no it's actually we'll try and thread back to this because as as well as uh, as well as uh, we're always interested in some entrepreneurial influences in people's childhood but we might talk about raising how you're going to raise children and whether you want them to be entrepreneurs or not we'll come we'll come to that later but i think it'd be important for you to we obviously we'll post links and stuff to your profile and the company in the show notes but could you explain uh to an intelligent but generalist audience what the company does assuming that they you know they know what's going on in the world but they don't know anything about your domain
2: of course yeah well visor ai is a customer service automation company so i believe that all of you and all of the people listening to us they already had a, a moment that they had to contact a bank uh, an insurance company a telco operator and they had to send an email or call or use a chat and usually they had to wait long time until they have their question answered or they they, they 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 send an email and they waited one week to get one answer uh what we do is we automate the most common and simple questions that a contact center gets and we answer it automatically if it's something simple or we just forward it internally to the right person to answer it so what we do is we are shortening the 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 waiting time to have an answer, And at the same time we are making the contact center more efficient meaning more uh, let's say less expensive for the companies so are you
0: using some kind of like gpt models that are being trained that you're training them on the specific content domain content of the
2: sure yeah it's a proprietary technology we created everything on our end but in terms of ai tools we have some proprietary models but we also use for example gpt4 for, for example, for email categorization, to get the intents out of emails. Uh, we, are, we have a, a data science team that they are always looking for the new trends. And I have to tell you that the last months they have been quite fruitful in terms of new trends, in terms of AI and large language models and generative AI and all of that new words that we listen every day. Uh, so yeah, we are always looking for the best ingredients to bring to our solution. So our clients, they hire us for to, for a solution, for sort a of platform. They only care about the let's say automation rate. They don't care that much for what's behind. They trust with us for for us to bring the best technologies to put behind this uh, engine in order to make their solution to be better than better.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it only? Is it um? Text, it's just text-based stuff, or is there also voice? Uh...
2: Voice, yeah. Uh, well, text is our genesis. We started using text solutions. We started with a chat channel, then we we moved for the email. But more recently, like one and a half ago, we started to develop and to to to, to release to our clients also voice solutions, uh, and actually video calls as well. So our clients can also have some uh, tools in terms of video calls to deliver their clients. So our goal is to become the... The company that our clients need, the only company that our clients need to automate the questions in the every way they come. Another thing that we do, but we are not as much experts in the, as in the rest, it's, for example, in document processing. So, for example, an email, sometimes it comes with attachments. Those attachments, they need to have some kind of analysis and kind of entity extraction and understanding of what's there. So we don't have proprietary technology for it we use external parties but it also brings value to the to the question of the of the of the, the client in this case okay
1: and uh cool. we're recording this in november 2023 because someone could be listening to this in 10 or 20 years time okay hopefully, but, but, but we only we, hope cool. so yeah, when when, when, when you're in, when you're on the front page of Fortune magazine, and hopefully,
2: being, hopefully, uh, for for good reasons,
1: I hope, or, 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 or being led away, in, led away in handcuffs, yeah, yes. maybe. Uh, and um, you know, in the last six to six months or so, the whole world has been talking about all these these AI tools, and probably in your case, you've known about it for a lot longer, but it's really hit the mainstream just in the in in the few months. And one um, one of the reasons that uh, I, I I liked your presentation is the fact that for, for quite a long time, you were bootstrapping just like getting things going with your own resources. And just so happens this week in Lisbon, it's the web summit where yeah. the entire world seems to be here. And, you know, I literally was talking to a a 24 year old yesterday who had $300 a month revenue from two clients and was valuing his business at $10 million free oh, money. That's what he wanted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and there are lots of, and he wasn't the only person with insane valuations. So, could you just talk through like why you decided to bootstrap and why you think that's uh, might be a better route because you you're not yeah. like a tw- you're not a 22 year old like sometimes it's the very young young inexperienced people who go out and raise money but you've you'd seen the world a little bit before you started this company hadn't yeah you? yeah
2: yeah actually my previous uh, life I was a management consultant. I used to work for Deloitte for KPMG. And before that I used to work for Barclays bank. So I did a, let's say, a traditional corporate journey before I left all of this to start uh, one failed startup and then moved for the second. Uh, It was a quite huge, huge change, I would say, because I used to work for companies where the structure was already there and, you know, let's say the corporate ladder that you had to climb. So everything was, clear on that aspect you need to work hard and as soon as you work hard and you deliver your results you keep hiring uh uh, uh going up up and this in this ladder but when you start your own startup it's it's the opposite because you can work very 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 hard or not and uh the the success on on that it's way more unpredictable because that's not only a matter of delivering it's a matter of Finding a problem and solving it, and having someone to pay for it. So it's uh, what I what I what happened in my in my case was the moment I left Deloitte to start my first startup. I had to forget like everything I knew uh, because all these processes and policies and everything they didn't fit in the startup world. Uh, and at the same time, it was two thousand fifteen in Portugal. Uh, it was I mean it was before. Having a startup was cool. I think we to say like <laughs> the beginnings of the the the, the ecosystem in Portugal. Uh, there weren't already good examples. Like for example, on Babel, they're already in the market. I know uh, Vasco was already here doing great stuff and other guys. But there were not that much examples in the market. So uh, meaning that the 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 VCs ecosystem and the investors they were not very developed as well. Uh, there were it was capi- there was capital in the market, but this capital was I would say only available for companies that already shown some traction out of Portugal and specifically in the US market. That's what happened. For example, we talked this. They started maybe one year before we did, but they just moved to US to, to 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 Silicon Valley and they created the business from there and they they grew very much and they are a unicorn today. And we started like maybe one year later. And we didn't add this same Uh, pass. uh But the reason it's because they, they were where the money is and we don't, we didn't. And we stayed in a market where the, the internal market is way lower, which is Portugal. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, we had to do, I mean, we did what we had to do, which is, okay, getting funding, it's not that easy. So we have two options or we just leave everything and go to another market and do our best. Uh, and let's see how it goes. Or we keep pushing for it in our internal market. And we'll use revenue as the source for growth. So that's what we did. We closed some B2B clients. We used that that money to get some more clients. And then we used a lot. And that's what uh, Richard is uh, referring a little bit. It's the we tried to use as much public funds we had available in different geographies. Uh, In 2017, we went six months in Chile, where we got about, I think it was 40,000 euros at the time as a grant to be in Chile and to participate in a program called Startup Chile. After that, we went in Poland uh, next to where Kimon is, was not in Krakow, was in Warsaw, uh, was a program in uh, Google for startups where they also uh, gave us, it was not an investment, it was a gift of 40,000 euros as well. At the time, it was good money for us to pay salaries. And then we got 100K from a, a grant uh, from a, a public entity on the on the European Union. So. We tried to use that money to keep pushing us until the moment where we raised some money. But in the past, the, the rounds we raised, they were not like big ones. It was like enough for us to have more money for two, three more people. And this year of 2023 was when things changed. So we finally raised a good round. So we raised 2.3 million euros. So now we are able to just go a little bit deeper on having some losses for the next two years. Okay. Uh, hopefully. That's
0: interesting. I have a, I have a couple of questions around that. So you've decided to stay. So that's, so I think your story, first of all, is very, very similar to a lot of people like um, in the sense that you have the small internal market, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's like, you're not, Portugal is not the only one. This, I was just thinking about Poland. I mean, Poland is Poland is, I guess somehow it's, and is it bigger? I mean, it's the bigger country. It's 40 million people, but I assume that the, but, but it's still sort of the same problem is that, you know, you're up against a sort of a finite size, So, um, and and how how big of a challenge, like, how, like, like, to what extent are you, are you under pressure to expand beyond that? Or does it like, because you're under, because like, I guess you have just X number of potential customers, whereas, so then you're either like, I need to add more services Mm -hmm. so that I can sell more to this internal market or, I need to expand out. And so how do you deal, how do you deal with that? I mean, that's well, like my, first-
2: that's the <laughs> 1 million question. We have <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. The way we did things, uh, that's why our, 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 we didn't do, let's say the traditional startup path, which is move to a bigger market and do things from there. We stayed in a small market. So we had to do what you mentioned, which was we have, very good clients we work with I don't know the biggest private bank in Portugal we work with them the biggest the the biggest and more uh uh insurance company in Portugal we also work with them we have about I'll say maybe 30 clients they are all big Enterprises so uh we managed to uh serve them in more than one need right so, uh yeah so that's what but bring At the beginning, we were a pure, let's say, chatbot platform, but that was the moment that we realized, okay, we only have two options, or we keep being a pure chatbot platform, and for that, we need to be completely scalable and implementable in every country in the world. That's option A. Option B, we can just move to other channels, like email and phone calls, and keep serving the clients that we already have in Portugal and it was way more comfortable for us that that second scenario because with that we already had good relationships with them and yeah. they trust us and let's move forward. Did that
0: not make a- you more of a service company?
2: Yeah, uh we are we are a little bit we are not a pure software as a service right. company. We, we we live on our products but we what makes us to be uh to be in the clients and to have long relationships with them and one good thing we have it's uh we have a very low churn rate. Uh, And and I don't believe this is only because of technology. It's a a lot because of the service. We are partners to the clients, you know, so we we work alongside with them.
0: Personal relationships. And and I assume you're also, you do have an advantage of, I can imagine, particularly now where more and more tools are coming out, there's a huge value in being able to choose best of breed, to choose the best tools. Like, because your clients are not going to know what, like when you say, like, Obviously you can have your proprietary tools, but there's also must be a value that you can offer in knowing what's available because, and the technology is changing so fast. And there's so many new tools out there, knowing what tools you can possibly like a toolbox that you can draw and I can use this tool. I can use that tool. That must add tremendous value. I don't know if you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our, yeah,
2: that's how we do it. Uh, I mean, we, for example, regarding to GPT-4 when it's very powerful and very, very good. What we realized was it's only deployable through Microsoft Azure servers. Most of our clients, they use Amazon Web Services, meaning that for them to use GPT-4, we had to get their data to another cloud. And some of our clients, which are banks, and they have all Yes, these of course. Issues, that's not doable. <laughs> so what we did was, okay, this doesn't work for you. We will uh, create our own LLM with, based on some public libraries, and we'll use your data to train it. And we'll release something that will generate similar uh, results compared to gpt4 for your use cases uh and we oh, re- so will we- customize we- customized solutions yeah. custom look- solutions yeah. as well yeah and then if it works for this bank let's test out in the other banks that we work with and it works well so yeah so usually we, we, we everything starts with the uh, market research with our uh, data science team just checking around what's in there first thing we try to do is to use what's already in the market if, if we find some Something that doesn't allow us to do that sometimes can be for costs, for example, or for compliance reasons. It depends. Uh, if it's something makes us not to use it, okay, we will invest in doing it ourselves for our clients' needs. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, again, next in next month can come out something better and uh, this model <laughs> can become obsolete in one month, you know? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, That's uh, the way so- the market is done.
1: Yeah. And so Kimon talked about uh, the, you know, asked you about going for the domestic market or, and I think when we, when we, we, when we met a few weeks ago, you were talking about your international strategy and is that selling to the local branches uh, in Portugal of international companies and then following them around the world? Like what? because obviously you're, you're, you are aiming to get out of Portugal in the long run, yeah. I believe. And and what, 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 what are your options there and which one have you chosen and why?
2: Yeah. Well, we chose two markets to start. I mean, we have clients in six geographies, but those six geographies, they represent about, I would say, 15, 20% of our revenue. So they are not, uh, I mean, they were not strategic clients. They were like inbound leads that made sense for us and we took them. Uh, Some of them, they are in Portuguese speaking countries in Africa, for example, because usually when a bank in Angola or Mozambique, when they want to find a partner. Usually they come to Portugal and they found us and uh, we serve them. It's, it's a pleasure to serve them. But they, those are not strategic markets for us. So we pick two strategic markets for us to pursue in the next two years. Uh, one is the Spanish market. Uh, and we pick this market for different reasons. One is we have first we have a Spanish a group of investors, which they help us with some kind of networking in Madrid. We also have a, a, a branch already set created there, and it's easier for uh, it's easy for us to come from Lisbon to Madrid if something is needed. And a lot of companies that operate in Portugal they operate in a, an Iberian uh, reality, so or they are a branch of the of the main office in 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 in, 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 I, in Iberia. In this case, in Madrid. Or uh, they have some good relationships, so it's quite, I'd say, easy to if you do something good here to be noted in in Spain. So that's one of the reasons. Uh, and uh, the fact that the Spanish market it's a, it's an European market as well. They use the euro, which is a good thing. But uh, it's a it's a market. It's, it's four times bigger than Portugal, which is similar to to Poland. It's 14 million yeah. people. I think. Uh, In terms of GDP, I believe that's still a a little bigger than than Poland. And that's a very interesting thing, which is something similar to Portugal, which is huge connections to Latin America. So if you do it well in in Madrid, it's easier to get into Mexico, Colombia, so the big markets in Latin America. And the same same comes to Portugal, which uh, that's why we chose as a second market. Brazil, Mm. Brazil, it's 20 times bigger than Portugal. It's crazy. It's 200 million people, uh, and the the, the need uh, they, they are very in terms of what we ser- what we sell they are a very mature market which is curious, uh, but they still have huge needs that need to be covered, uh, and um, there are some of course some things that are not that good in the Brazilian market like for example the fact that they use a different currency the fact that we need to create a, a local entity for tax reasons. The fact that we need to have a local team because of cultural things, even though we all, we all speak Portuguese, speaking Portuguese from Portugal and speaking Portuguese from Brazil, it's different thing, different cultures. But the opportunity is huge. And yeah, it's going well so far. Those two markets, of course, after we have it good for those two markets, we will pick two more. But we still need to have those well done and then to, to find the the, the the next ones.
0: Let's go back a little bit. Um, one of the interesting things you said, like that, intrigued me was that you said. So did you, did I understand correctly that you founded the company with two childhood friends? There's three yeah. of you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's correct.
0: And you and and did I understand also correctly that the the first failed startup was also with the same guys?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so so
0: that that's that that's interesting, right? So like, first of all, how did that? Well, tell us a little bit about that, because that's kind of interesting. Okay. Like, how, yeah. how did you like? Obviously, you like these guys. <laughs>
2: yeah, we, I, love, I love them. <laughs> uh, well, we are friends since we were six, <laughs> so we did all the school together until we got to the university, and each one of us did a different uh, yeah. career. So I went. To, uh, I did management degree. and did all these, let's say, corporate stuff. Uh, uh, Jaluka, uh, it's the responsible. It's our responsible for sales and marketing. He did uh, uh, pass more more towards business business development. Uh, he used to work in UK, uh, in Poland as well. He spent mm-hmm. time there, um, so he he's more of a sales guy. Uh, and then Bruno, it's our CTO, and he was working for Deloitte, but as a tech tech uh, okay. developer, uh, tech consultant. But uh, it was Jaluca who invited me once uh, to start with him, like a this idea that he had for this previous startup. Well, to be completely honest, I didn't find the idea great, but I found the idea of working with those guys very great. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So, okay, let's give it a shot. So I left Deloitte, uh, it, we all left our jobs, and we did it. <laughs> and we did everything wrong. <laughs> the only thing we did was uh, we just make our, let's say, relationship better.
0: <laughs> well, that's a, that's impressive because right, because that could go differently. Some people, yeah. when they go through a bad thing, might yeah. that might they blame each other. They yeah. I don't know. And and you managed to you said it made it stronger, actually. Yeah, you said.
2: actually, it's curious, but it's uh, true because I mean, we were very aligned in terms of I mean, we took all the decisions together, which I think it was good because <clears> at the end of the day, we didn't have, let's say, a clear person with the clear CEO role that gave all the uh, all the orders and the the other ones follow it was always like the three people together and we will do what we feel comfortable and if we fail we are all of us we are responsible so not, okay. none of us were more responsible than the others uh and the other thing that sometimes i say it like as a joke but it's i think it makes sense which is we the three of us we support the same football club which yeah. is sporting, sporting, and sporting is a club that barely wins. So, <laughs> it's a lot <source> of resilience. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are. Uh, I mean, we are, we are all, uh, already used to to lose together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious.
2: Yeah, I
1: I happen to live in Lisbon very, very close to Campo Grande, which is right right next to the sporting stadium. And and my partner uh, is in more trouble for her. She goes nuts when there's a match because it takes ages to get home because the traffic... But but um but I I've got a question connected to that, which is like you you didn't kick off with when you were kids. Did you sort of like in the American movies, the kids sit there plotting that, like Ghostbusters, they they, they all yeah. go into business together. Did you imagine when you were kids that you might do a business together one one day? Because it doesn't sound like it. You went into corporate life first. So yeah, what what what, what was the sort of. Um, where did the idea of doing a business rather than a regular mm-hmm. career? Because working for Deloitte isn't so bad. I mean, it's quite well paid yeah. in Portugal.
2: Yeah, of course. No, it's and it's a good question. But uh, the answer is, we. I think we, we. First, we never thought to do something together when we were kids. I think it was not a thing we had in our heads. We always were good friends and everything. But I think a business was not on top of our priorities. And when I, for, uh, I can speak for myself. I, I don't know about the others, but I believe it's quite similar. When we started our Careers, we all, all of us, we we did it yeah. in a corporate world where we thought that was the the right thing to do. Uh, but then some kind of entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit was already here. Uh, I think well, the one who started this was uh, Jaluka. He was the one that invited the two of us at the beginning, and he already had these uh, ideas. And I I believe that the fact that his own father was. At a business at like an ice cream store maybe it was enough for him to understand like the advantages of having the the own the young the business for myself my grand my grandfather was an entrepreneur as well he, he, he created a construction business out of uh, uh from scratch and, and went quite well uh while, while he was alive and i always had this idea of how respected my grandpa was for that, you know. I I I thought that okay, people respect this guy for this, and if I keep working for the corporate world, I don't believe I'll get the same kind of respect because I'm not creating; I'm just following. There was something that was always with me, and when he invited, I think I believe that this kind of uh, feeling came out, and I thought, oh, that's a moment. I was 27 at the time. Yeah, and I, thought,
0: I have no. Chance. Well, and I was just wondering if you guys also just like flat out just. Sort of didn't like corporate jobs. I mean, like it was like this is like it, this is because it, it. I mean, that happen. also can. I mean, that you, know, you actually, won't be the first.
2: <laughs> I liked, I like, I like my job. Huh? Uh, when I was, I mean, when I joined KPMG uh, in in my batch, so the people that joined with me, uh, I was the one with better uh, evaluation in the first year, so I did it well and I liked that. And I was, I was promoted. So we had three levels of consultant, then we had the senior consultant. I was promoted in two years. So I skipped one year. Uh, so I was doing well there. I believe that if I kept kept, kept working for the consulting world, I, w- I, w- I would be good there, but it's not the same. I mean, uh, I work maybe more hours now than I used to work for consulting firms, which is, uh, well, depends on, on the projects, but sometimes they work long hours as well. Uh, but the fact that at the end of the day, if things go wrong, but was my call and uh, I did what I thought was best. I think it, Leaves me with a sense of peace, which is crazy, but <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it failed. But uh, I did it my way, as Tracy mentioned. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah.
1: And just think with your grandfather, if he could see you now, that he had status, and now you're on our podcast. So you've really made.
2: Yeah. it. <laughs> I not believe my grandfather already died like 20 years ago. Uh, for him, a podcast would be like a very different, uh, a difficult concept to understand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but it's interesting because the social status is and clearly it's changed it's changed a bit. But it sounds like but is that so important to you still? What other people think of what you're doing? Because quite often you know the role of sort of like self esteem, ego, what matters. Running a business is a lot less glamorous than people think it's going to be, isn't it?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Some some um. Sometimes I I I joke a little bit about it because. Uh, it's very easy to understand when when we are talking to someone. It's very easy to understand if these the other person already f- created a, a business or not. Is that if they talk to you and they really think that your life is very glamorous? I, I know. <laughs> no, you never tried. <laughs> and when they they feel the fate like Richard, Richard, and I I can see that Richard uh, the created stuff because he knows how hard it is <laughs> and how not glamorous it is. And you need to do everything from the, let's say, the trainee job to the CEO job or CIO or COO or whatever, or manager, you need to do it all, which is crazy. So you can start the day like feeling that you are on top of the world and everything is great and you can finish the day like you something very bad happens and you feel that maybe you need to close doors in six months, you know, and you need to do something for that to doesn't happen. So it's a roller coaster. It's. Uh, I mean, I learned in the process to not be that much ego inflated when things go well and to not be that much destroyed when things go wrong. I try to push myself for the middle. That's the way I deal with it. But uh, I don't know. It depends on how many
0: how many people do you guys have now?
2: 64 now.
0: Oh, it's big. It's big. It's pretty big. Okay, that's impressive.
2: Yeah. But uh, I mean, since we we, uh, one year ago, we were 36 but
0: okay i understand sure. you got the financing and you're yeah. ramping up yeah. what's yeah. and what's the run? what kind of runway do you are, do you have like how much time do you have uh to, yeah it's about
2: 18 months now okay uh, uh but we have recurring clients so if the client
0: yeah because through. you're in a better so it sounds to me like again so actually quite honestly i'm not a huge expert on like startup startups actually and how they work so i'm uh and richard knows a lot more than i do probably about that but i but ha, but it sounds to me that you were mature like you started, is it, is it true that you thought you started maybe fundraising when you were more mature or wait, or you were just doing very, very tiny rounds. So you, uh, at the, at the beginning, how, well,
2: how uh, well, cause it's back, been a
0: while, right? It's been yeah. you said, like 2015. Wait, was it, how long, how many years has it been now? Uh,
2: well, our first startup was in 2015. We worked for one year in 2016, we started advisor. So okay. more than six years right now. Right. Successful. Yeah, but seven and a half working together, so it's already uh-huh. uh, more yeah. than a lot of uh, merit. Exactly,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, well. When we, uh, the reason why we didn't raise more in the past was because we were not good at fundraising, <laughs> and not that ah, interesting. A, not that much for <laughs> a strategic reason. We tried, but we sucked on that. We That's didn't funny. Have- yeah, so the numbers were not there. We didn't know exactly what they want to listen. We struggled to because talking to investors, it's a let's say it's a it's a discipline by itself. It's like yes, yes, I agree. exactly what they want to listen, uh, and it's what they want to listen is completely different to what your clients want to listen, and we yes. tend to go with the same with the same pitch, so it doesn't right. work. Uh, and we learned that in the, let's say the, the, the wrong way. So we were all, all doing these years, not raising that. We raised some small rounds, but, but was only with some investors that thought that.
0: Yeah, but, uh, some, but yeah. you were, but you, let's be honest, you were focusing on this. I actually feel the same way. So this is actually the reason I'm sort of not been interested in that. Cause like, I like to do business. Like yeah. I like to do the business, but what I found so strange about this whole startup thing is there's doing the business is only a very is only one part of the whole thing. There's this yeah. whole other part which is dealing with yeah. the money and getting the money and, doing, yeah. and getting money, which is kind of like BS as far as I can see. Like I mean, there's not like like I know that there's a magic to it and it's important. Obviously, if you're really good at it, you're able to spin your product and spin your story so you can get a lot of money. But maybe there was an advantage to that that you actually had more time. You were focusing on actually making a a good product and a good business.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, we did it. In the past, we didn't that spend that much time uh, fundraising, uh, and when we did, it, we did it not in the best way. That's why we focus so much in in business because business was what bring bring us here and what saved yeah. us. Which which makes sense. I mean, it's a business, so it needs to survive by doing right. business. But when you go to startups, it's the the norm. It's the the other way around. They 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 survive on funding, and by the way, they have some business exactly um, <laughs> we try to do the opposite we try to have business and by the way have some so you fun.
0: have so you're i mean I, I i i don't know i don't want to ask too many like but are, are, are you profitable or are you still not
2: we profitable? Were, uh, until one year ago we were uh, i mean not profitable we were breaking even that's what we okay to but
0: do. but getting the money was not like uh you know you're able to, to ramp up like it, it's easier for you to become profitable probably than a typical than a typical yeah. startup
2: yeah, I mean, for us to be profitable. I mean, if we wanted to be profitable, we would be profitable. But right. we, now we invested. You're trying to, to grow, right? Yeah, to mm-hmm. grow. So we 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 want to be profitable, not in the in the, in the stage where we are, but in a stage that will be right. two or three times bigger than the one that, that we is that we right. are. So to, what we hope it's in two years from now to be in the same position that we were last year, which is okay, now we are having a revenue of let's say five million per year, and we have costs of Four point five per year. So right. we are profitable enough a million. Okay, now let's choose. Do we want to keep raising and we have metrics for that and we have enough traction? Or it's okay and we want to think about selling or we ought to think yeah. about getting stable or whatever, but we have options, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what we want, to have options. That's a problem sometimes with some startups that only rely on on investment, is is that they don't only they don't have options. Or they raise or they die you know yeah i don't feel it as the way that i would like to be in business i'm not saying Mm. it's wrong or right Mm. i agree
0: it's something that i've always found just less like basically what you're doing is what's attractive to me about business because it's actually doing the business the the other the other way is is just personally i'm just speaking personally i I find it to be less less interesting um so what what do you think you're going to or what do you and your team, what do you guys think uh, you got? Like, how far do you want to take it? Or like, well, like, what, what's your, because yeah. what's the plan? Like how, like, how far do you want to go with it?
2: Yeah, I believe we have one metric in our heads, which is the 5 million yearly revenue that we want to achieve. We still are uh, away from it. But I believe this is the threshold. I believe, not only believe, but uh, by talking with investors and uh, uh, international funds, this is the, let's say, the threshold when you start to be uh, interesting for private equity firms and for big rounds and even for, for acquirers. Uh, so this is the moment by achieving this metric. I believe this will be the moment for us to reassess Get what options for the future. Yeah. So now we are focused on achieving this. I believe that in two years from now, we'll be there as soon as we are there. OK, now let's think what do we want. Do we still feel strong enough to keep pushing for it? or maybe not, okay, let's sell it. Let's take a good <clears throat> multiple from the revenue and let's sell it, that's a possibility. And of course, always aligned with the investors because now the board is not only the three of us. We have uh, non-executive uh, non non uh, non-executive board members uh, representing the funds and we need to be aligned with them, of course. Uh, but again, if they invested in a, in some valuation now and we can make the, the business to go three or four times uh, and we sell it three or four times, higher than the valuation that they invested, they'll be happy, you know? So, yeah. Mm, cool. And that's another interesting thing, which is we managed to raise the rounds with funds that I believe that they are quite aligned with our vision. So they are not funds that they want to see multiples of 100 and 200. Uh, they are not that delusional, I would say. They are more <laughs> down towards, And they know that businesses, not not every business can multiply by 100. Exactly. Uh, but the, the kind of... Fund that's okay. I have a portfolio, and I only need that one of them to succeed, mm. and uh, I don't care about the others. Yeah, I'm, just feel- gonna, I'm,
1: I'm just going to I'm just going to cut in there and say for people listening to this, because I think quite a lot of people who listen to us, we believe they are people who are thinking about having a business one day or they're quite early stage. That making sure that you're kind of on the same page as your investors is important, because you know some some VCs they really do they they spray money into twenty companies. They want they want that hundred times, which yeah. means that they don't really mind if you go bust if you're trying to grow like crazy obviously they don't want you to go bust but they're really pushing you to to grow like crazy and if if you're not comfortable with that and, and, yeah. you, you, and you, it's very unpleasant to be the ceo you, you're the guy who has to go and fire everyone when it when it crashes yeah. yeah and i wanted to ask a couple of questions which are quite separate and maybe just continue this um line of uh discussion have you and your co-founders thought about leadership after you that when you've got like a tight team of three guys running the business you know is it do you, do you anticipate any issues of what you're going to do for ambitious people who join the company who like the idea of being a manager? Because if there was one of you, you're decentralized. But with three of you, it may seem like it's hard to have really major responsibility because you and your co-founders really run the show and, you know, it, it, it might be a kind of limit on how people can grow as uh, executives. Mm-hmm. And also if you want to hand over to other people, have you got like leadership development if you don't exit or are you going to be happy being a co-CEO for the next 10 years?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, what uh, we, we, the, our first hire that we did in 2017, it was a trainee at the time. It was a developer, but it's someone that grew with us. And uh, uh, it is, it's an example of someone that I believe it's a great example because he started as a developer and now is our product director and responsible for a team of 30 people. So half of our company, it's, it's below this guy. And uh, he, he does a hell of a job because he feels it as if it's his business as well. And we also already have in the company some stock options that we give to people. So what we are doing is that the ones that we feel that they have leadership material and they can uh, have the team on their own, we want them to have part of it as well, for them to, to feel empowered as well. But of course, there's a board and the main decisions need to come from the board, but we like to keep these guys with, Enough capacity for them to take their own decisions, but of course always aligned to where we want to go. So, for example, this guy he has the responsibility for the product roadmap. So he's the one that manages all the resources, developers, and everything in order for the roadmap to to become a reality. But the def- definition of the roadmap needs to be aligned with the board. So we do meetings with him. Okay, it's, we want to create this product. Okay, great. So what kind of resources you need? Do you have them? Okay, go for it. You know, yeah. But uh, th- what I feel is that. Th- there's different stages of companies, and one thing it's where, where where we were three. Another thing was where we were thirty. Another thing is now that we are sixty something. It's like the processes we are always like redoing processes. So now we need processes. Maybe one year ago they were not that needed because the three founders it was enough for us to talk to each other and to have one or two hundred people aligned and everything was uh, in place. Now it's not enough. Now we need to have processes in place teams to, to talk to each other without talking to any anyone in the leadership so now we are we feel that we are like uh addressing it and creating the the right processes to to deal with it but it's I believe it's a never-ending story because I already talked to some entrepreneurs in higher stages where we are and they say that it never it, it never stops it's always the same when you reach 100 and 200 you need to do it again and we are always redoing like yeah. processes for things to work you know uh, That's
0: definitely the case. Mm-hmm. How, do you guys have uh, still control of the company? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We, we, the three founders, we have about sixty something okay. percent.
0: So the board is like you're still controlling the board and everything. You just have they're just advising you. The other investors are sort of like have advisory roles. Uh...
2: Yeah, the advisory role, of course. Uh, but they also have uh, they can they can let's say they can uh, They have veto 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 power for some things. For example. So- if we want to uh, to raise money again, they need to be on board because okay, they, right. they will dilute mm-hmm. the participation. Right. So it makes sense. Yeah, that's right. If you want to sell the company, of course, the same. Yeah. Uh, if you want to acquire someone, they need to sure to validate. Makes for sense. example, if you want to go to the bank and get a loan for more than, I don't know, half a million, they need yeah. to validate. Yeah, stuff that like makes that. sense.
1: And, uh, yeah, there's always those restricted things. And for anyone listening who doesn't realize... You're not allowed to give yourself a big pay rise without the board agreeing either. Probably.
2: Yeah, they need to. Uh, <laughs> they need to accept my salary as well.
0: So, <laughs> and, 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 so and that's but so that's so kind of so. Sort of Richard alluded to it, but I'm kind of curious in the process in your process, did you choosing like, did you choose like I mean, or was it just like who want like did you were you able to sort of choose your investors. Or were you sort of like, this is who wants to invest, they're okay. Uh, Well, that's
2: a good, that's a very good question. (laughs) I mean, uh, when we started fundraising for this round, I mean, we did it in two different moments. One was in the beginning of the pandemic, like 2020. And so we tried, because 2019 was a very good year for our business. We had good numbers at the time. We had good profit as well. And we thought, oh, that's the best time to go to the market. But The pandemic came out and (laughs) in some, some way investors were not like they were, they were like waiting and see to, to, they had the money, but they just didn't stop to deployment. And, but we were like trying to talk to, let's call it champions league investors. So trying to address all those guys in San Francisco, London, Berlin, Amsterdam. So we, we, we talked all of them. They opened the door, not all of them, but the most part of them, they opened the door to talk to us and, and conversations made sense. But we always failed in something that made us do not be that interesting for those, let's call it, championship, uh, Champions League in- investors. But what we decided after that was, okay, so we already tried to go to those guys. Let's try to do it a little bit more local. So what we thought was, okay, we already did some, let's say, practice and some training talking to the champion- the Champions League guys, <laughs> meaning that maybe we have enough credentials to come to the Portuguese investors and show them something maybe aligned with the best that they can find in portugal and t- hopefully it's it, it 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 worked well because as soon as we did it we had some kind of how to call it over subscription in the rounds uh and then we chose for example we left one million one million one million euros out of the, the round uh because at the end of the day we realized that we would not need that money and we prefer to to leave that money for one day that maybe right. we need it and we will come back. So what we tried to do with the investor was, okay, we will take only 2.3. We will not get your 1 million. But uh, that's because I'm telling you why. It's because we feel that we don't need it now. But if you are okay with this, we want to raise again in two years from now. And hopefully we'll talk, you'll be the first I will talk to you. And if you still are interested, I'll get the million. Uh, but yeah. So, I mean, it was not a, A round where I chose exactly who I wanted, but as soon as we found our uh, sweet spot in terms of investors, we were managing. How many
0: people, how many investors are on the board?
2: Yeah, uh, in this last round, it were three investors. Okay. Uh, Yeah.
0: And <clears throat> have you found them? Absolutely. This is a very difficult question because it's a public podcast. So I I'm sure that you can't I'm not sure how much you can They're wonderful. No, I'm just wondering how useful how useful like they have been, because a lot of uh, okay, remember, I've talked to investors a lot of times as well. And I and I and I don't mind saying that uh, a lot of investors promise you a lot of stuff that they're gonna do, but yeah. in fact, they don't do very much other than give you the money and then just like sit back and see what you do. And obviously I think it's it's great if you can have investors that actually provide some kind of value for you, even in as simple as when you mentioned bank credit, you said you have to go to them for bank credit, but actually that's for me something that where a value comes in from an investor because an investor will have better ability to help you get, let's say bank credit, overdraft credit, whatever you wanna call it, uh, operating capital. Um, then you will yourself and yeah. I mean this, that's just like a basic example of how an investor yeah. can possibly help. but um, I'm just wondering have you found how you found it actually yeah. from that?
2: Well the uh, we I think we were lucky with these three investors. They are uh, well they are two Portuguese funds and one Brazilian fund uh, but this Brazilian fund is operating out of Portugal. so they are Brazilians but they live here um, the three of them they bring value in different aspects. Uh, One of them, it's a big, it's a big investor, not only in startups. It's, I would say that they are in Portugal, the biggest at the time, the biggest VC investor in Portugal, but they also have other kinds of funds. So they also invest in real estate and private equity. equity. Yeah. Yeah, They have a lot, they do a lot of things. So they are not the pure VC guys. So they Mm -hmm. are investors, you know? So Mm -hmm. they, 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 I mean, of course they, they do VC and they know what to look into looking as a, as a VC, as a, startup as a VC point of view but at the, at the end of the day they also manage other funds, which I believe brings a lot of value to it because they are not only biased with the VC point of view they have other point of views in terms of investors that, that's good I, I believe it's, uh, it, it's aligned with the way we do it I mean we are not being like this uh, uh, um, uh, 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 make or break uh, situation we try to be something in the middle like okay we don't want to break but but we want to grow you know uh, and we are there aligned with this uh do, 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 but, um and those guys they also are good in terms of some network especially in Portugal, some clients uh, yeah, they always uh, when they do the board meetings they they try to to be uh, I mean they are not they of course they, they request for some metrics and some reports, but it's it is what it is and they need to report it to their own LPS as well yeah, that's part of it but the, when things don't go that well, Uh, They are not those guys that call me and uh, try to make me see that it was my fault, you know, they try to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. This is one of them. Uh, The other one, so we see uh, funding Portugal as well, but they are very good in terms of knowing of public funds, for example, some other opportunities that we can take and leverage some investment and some uh, grants and stuff like that. So they help us a lot with this. And they also uh, bring value in terms of, for example, we now we onboarded one person to our team, which uh, uh, is a lady with more than 15 years of experience. Uh, she was in a board of the first Portuguese unicorn. So it's someone with a lot of experience. Uh, and she she left the job and she was uh, living her life, I'd say, <laughs> but she was kind of, uh, she needs some kind of um, energy in the life to work with something. And this investor invited her to join us and to be our advisor, board advisor. Uh, and it's amazing because she is bringing a lot of value to the table. So these investors, they also try to bring the right people to work with us. And the third fund is a Brazilian fund. They have huge connections in Brazil, and they are hey, a- that must
0: be super useful for you in, with your Brazil expansion stuff, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, because they have relationships, very good relationships in 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 São Paulo. Uh, they are ex-entrepreneurs, so they know how hard it is to create a business, uh, and they also have a public entity there that we can use. For example in terms of lawyers in terms of uh financial advisors
0: exactly the yeah, basic things know. that are yeah. those are such a pain in the ass if you don't know yeah, <laughs> what yeah, you yeah. so
2: I'm quite happy with them huh? just yeah. not because they will listen to me but yeah <laughs> uh, it's
0: true no value it's pure value I mean that's just pure value actually. and it's
2: hard to find that huh? because what yeah. I listen to other startups is that uh, the normal mm. the norm is dump money take money yeah. and do your thing and uh make exactly
0: exactly 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 yeah,
2: exactly. yeah awesome so ju- just as we wrap up I'm
1: curious about what you've learned you you had the advantage of failing together at something I don't know what the other failure with the failure your first startup with your co-founders was beforehand but what are the would you say the most important thing you learned or things you learned from that that failure and anything else you'd like to share with your audience and we really appreciate your story because I think one of the things that shone through is like you're not you're not arrogant and like some of the younger startup ecosystem people, they kind of feel they have to tell the world they're the best people in the world. And it's obviously yeah. not true. But you're you're saying that you could be maybe one of the best available people to invest in in Portugal. It's not, you know, it's kind of, maybe you aren't Premier League, but mm-hmm. you're doing well. You're doing well. And it's very rational. It's very smart not to overestimate your, over, be honest with yourself. Because if you're honest with yourself, I think it gives more potential. But just coming back to my question, what, um, what did you learn from your first Thing that went wrong or what you'd like to share with our audience and is there anything 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 else you'd like to share with people who are listening who are considering you know maybe maybe it's someone who's still in corporate and they're wondering about a startup just yeah anything to share
2: well um i i have two things that i can share on that aspect one is uh it was it was kind of damage damaging to my ego to feel that I was quite successful in my old job, and I had, let's say, everything to do well there, and I left it to work in a company that failed. <laughs> so it was admitted, it was like shit. Uh, uh, but but what uh, uh, I think at the time, I th- I believe it was like, okay, I need to face it, and it's a fail, it's a failure, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't represent my value as a professional. It represents that I tried and I failed. Especially in Portugal, it's a quite traditional, I mean, now it's different, but in the past, we were a quite traditional country and the failure, it's, it's has a very negative connotation, but we try to be more positive about it. And we it was good to make our ego uh, in the right place. I think it was a, a good thing. Another thing is what we learned was we started the business for the wrong reasons. So we started the business with no, let's say, purpose. Uh, and we were not solving a real problem, and that was completely eye-opening. So if you create a business, you need to have it very clear, and you need, you need to solve a problem. Otherwise, you are not—you don't have a business. You have like a, a playground to, to 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 play, you know. So yeah, that the, what we did before was not solving anything, and we were trying. I mean, we we had a solution that we try to push. And and create problems for the solution to fit, and it's the complete uh, uh, the other way around. <laughs> you need to find the problem, and then you feel the problem, and that's the mindset we have at Visor AI. So, and we work with contact centers, so it's easy to find because all the contact centers they are a problem by itself. So, yeah, <laughs> it's it's in our case it's helped us. Yeah, those are the two main learnings we have.
1: Fantastic. And anything more from your side, Kimon, or do you think it's time to wrap up?
0: No, I think that's good. I mean, I've really enjoyed this. I I, I think that um, I found it very refreshing. I, I think it's been very valuable, actually. I think you've been, I, I really appreciate how open you've been. And just the way you've answered our questions, has, at least just from my perspective, I think it's been really, like, it's, it's been very valuable. Like, I think people actually could get a lot of value from this podcast, actually. Okay. So I thought it was really, really good. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I echo the stuff that Richard said, um, you know, it's great. To, to to that you're not like just like spewing off about how awesome you are. I, I was impressed how you saw, I was really impressed. I'm like, wow, 60 people, yeah. <laughs> like I, you know, I was really impressed. Cause you know, a lot of people are just like they just want to self promote and stuff like that. And and so yeah. I, I just think that's really cool. And I think that's just the way to be. And I'm really impressed with, I'm i am I'm really impressed with what you've done. And uh, you. yeah, obviously Thank I you. wish you the best of luck guy. Uh, I, I hope you, I, I like the Brazil thing. <clears throat> because of the size of the <clears throat> it has to be a massive opportunity yeah yeah where...
2: it is it is yeah great kiman and thank you very much for all the questions and richard for inviting me it's it uh, was a pleasure and i'm happy that i bring some value and um, if someone just, just like
0: with your clients just like with your clients yeah yeah,
2: yeah. It's, uh, i mean <laughs> I, I i believe that uh as soon as you are bringing value to the table things will work out <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. bring value and uh someday you'll need value for yourself and the universe will bring this value to you so.
1: exactly exactly yeah. the same way yeah and right. i'm just going, i'm just going to close with the thought that let's hope when you're on the front page of a business magazine in a few years time you're not wearing handcuffs
2: hopefully yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Guys, thank you.